You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. You think there'll be tots in heaven? What? Tots in heaven. Well, like angels with pearly deep fryers cooking them up? Man, it's heaven. And just rain tots. Or they grow on trees. Tots on trees, that's your idea of heaven. There won't be any tots on trees in hell. I can guarantee you that. Look, if we eat in heaven, I think it'd be something healthier than this. Like carrots or apples. Not something that's going to give you a heart attack. Dude, aren't we dead? I mean, your soul can't get a heart attack and you don't even have a body in heaven. Then how are you going to eat your tot? Maybe it's a spiritual tot. Spiritual tots. Colonics got them, others don't. All right, so we're talking about heaven. Or we'll look into Colossians chapter 3 now, in which we see the importance of heaven. What do you think about heaven? When you think about heaven, what comes to mind? I mean, the Bible doesn't give a, like a huge description of what heaven is like. It doesn't necessarily tell you all the details. In Revelation chapter 21, it gives some details about heaven, the new heaven. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eye and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain and all these things will be gone forever. And then you can read more about it. You can read about streets of beautiful gold and all the, all the great things. Some people get excited about thinking that Jesus went to prepare a place for us. I that there's many mansions, but a better translation is there's many dwelling places or many rooms. And I was thinking about this the other day, that being that you don't really need to sleep in heaven, being that a dwelling place or a room or a place next to Jesus is way better than having a mansion way off in the country by yourself. And I thought to myself, why is it that I want a mansion off in the country by myself? And it's because I've had experiences with bad neighbors before. Have you ever had an experience with a bad neighbor, neighbor before? Bad roommate, bad neighbor, bad person in the neighborhood that just drives you nuts? And that's why you want to live off on a 40-acre plot by yourself. And, you know, hopefully you're safe and secure and you can invite in whoever you want, but usually people don't bother you as much. In my neighborhood, somebody feels a need to set off fireworks around 11 or midnight. It's like, can't you do that around 10, you know? Wakes me up. Haven't figured out who it is yet. I'd like to have a talk. I'm praying for them. That's what I'm doing. So, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But we don't know a lot about heaven, but we do know that that is the place where God is, where Jesus is, where we are promised a better place, a better life, eternal life, eternal provision, all of those things that we need are provided in heaven. And some people say, heaven sounds pretty awesome. Let's just cut this life short and get on with it. But God has a work for us to do. God has things for us to do. There's an old saying where people say, they're so, that person is so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. So hopefully that's not you. Hopefully your thoughts aren't so about heaven that you're like, hey, I don't care about this world. Yeah, I'll tell people if God 
brings them in my path, yeah, they can go to heaven, but I'm going to heaven, and I don't really care about the rest of the stuff. I don't really care about, you know, making society a better place, because I'm going to heaven. And I don't really care about making an impact on this world, because it's just temporary, because I'm going to heaven. Uh, instead of that, think, okay, I have the promise of eternal life, so I can spend this life today making a difference in the world, making a difference with the people that God surrounds me with, with the opportunity that He gives me. Our church, me, we're growing older, and a lot of us, when the church started, we had little kids that are growing to be older kids, and now they're having kids. And so some of us, we need to think about, we can't just duck out now because our kids are no longer in the ministry. We have experience. We have this great opportunity now to minister with even more effectiveness to the kids and to the parents and the people around and to help bring them to heaven with us, to help bring them along the way with us. And what a great thing that we can do. So in your outline, it's a really simple outline, and I will make it really easy for you so you're not stressing, trying to know what to fill in the blank. So they all start with A. So number one in your outline, if you want, is look ahead to eternity in heaven. So that's going to be verses one through four. Look ahead. I was going to say look above, you know, but really we're looking forward. We're looking, we're planning, we're we're. we're investing in heaven. We are thinking that that's our eternal home. It seems strange to me that there are parents that want their kids to be really good academically. You know, they're like, you've got to get good grades so you can get into that college. You've got to do good in this if you want to play this sport later. You've got to play this when you're four years old if you want to play that sport in high school and be any good. And all these investments for the future, but there's not as much of an investment sometimes for parents to say, Live a Christian life and honor God because someday is heaven. Someday is rewards. I want to see you in heaven. I want, you know, to think about that whole spiritual thing. Some people don't look at that. And, you know, even sports on Sunday sometimes, you know, it's like uh, some of you parents are awesome saying, well, you know, there's a sports team, traveling sports team, and they play every Sunday. I told my kid, you know, only tournament games and, uh, you know, only the special things, but not every time. And so, you know, there's that thought that, okay, well, we're going to put God first and what a good thing to think about eternity. Look ahead towards eternity. So Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, sets your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. So when Christ died on that cross and rose again, and you placed your faith in Christ, then your sin was placed on that cross and covered. And when Christ rose from the dead, you rose with him. Your life is in Christ, and you are wrapped up in Christ. So someone had suggested that if this right here, your index finger, if this is you and your other left hand is Christ, and you put your hand around your index finger and wrap it up, that you are in Christ. And when God sees you, he sees you in Christ, and he sees Christ's righteousness and Christ's forgiveness and Christ's new life in you, and then you're assured of heaven the realities of heaven. Now, God, through His Word, hasn't given us all the details of heaven. It probably would blow our minds. How could we even understand all of the things that there could be in heaven? I mean, can you imagine going back 2,000 years ago and for Jesus to try to tell His disciples what life would be like today? It's like, yeah, well, they're going to have these machines that they go up and down the highway at 60 to 80 miles per hour to get places, and yeah, it's hot, but they have air conditioning, so it's not bad, but it's super cold, but they've got heat, and they can communicate with each other around the world by a few buttons on this little thing that they carry around, 
uh, smaller than a rock. And uh, all of these things, if you tried to explain that, those people wouldn't understand. And I guarantee you that heaven is way better, has way better technology than we have. And I'm sure there's going to be way better stuff on TV too. So there is just so many things that you can think about heaven. But all you need to know that God has really given us is that it's a place where God dwells and Jesus is there reigning and it's going to be awesome. Everything about it. There's this other part of it too where Jesus reigns on earth. And um, so, but what's the topic for a different day? But basically just think about, okay, eternity is in the presence of God. That is, that is heaven. Wherever God is, that's where we are. And what a great thing. So think about that. Think about how do I invest my life? Think about what could I do to live that out more in my life? What is it that I can do to to be more godly and to really prioritize that? So set your sights on the realities of heaven. And then it says, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. You can, have you ever heard that expression, you're dead to me? So you get mad at somebody and, you know, they're like, oh, well, there's relationships never going on and I don't like you. And you're like, well, you're dead to me. You know, it's like the end of the relationship. Uh, don't contact me anymore. I don't want to have anything to do with you. That's the sad thing. I hope that you haven't done that to anybody. But do that to sin. Do that to your old life. Do that to your old nature that you're dead to it. So when Jesus died on the cross, he set you free from the power of sin and death. He set you free. You can say no to temptation and yes to living in Christ. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So your real life, the life that's going to bring you satisfaction, the life that's going to bring you joy, the life that's really going to have meaning, meaning is your life in Christ, not your life uh, just accumulating things. I mean, you can enjoy the things in the world and enjoy the things that uh, you know, God has put around us. You can also use them for ministry, but your real life, your true life, is in Christ. And doesn't that motivate you to want to spend more time in God's Word? Doesn't that motivate you to want to spend more time seeking God's will for your life and, and praying and asking Him to use you to make an eternal difference? Because your real life is in Christ. Your real life is life in Jesus. And someday, Jesus is going to appear and we are going, as his Christ followers, we are going to appear with him in glory. We are going to share in his glory. We're going to be on his team. It's going to be better than if we were like Super Bowl champions and we came into town and they had a big parade for us. So actually that, that hasn't happened in Minnesota with the Vikings ever. But maybe someday. But I saw it on for some other teams, all the celebrations. But just think on Jesus' team. When the Saints go marching in. Yep. What a great day that will be. But look ahead to eternity. Look above, look forward to eternity. So Chuck Swindoll in his Bible commentary talks about this coach that he knew that was a really great coach and really made a difference in his coaching. And he told Chuck Swindoll, he's like, you always want to coach upward. You always want to inspire the players to be better. You don't want to sit there and tell them how terrible they are and just focus on the stuff that's bad. You want to coach upwards and tell them who they can be and what's good in them and make a difference that way. So let's look upward. Let's look ahead to eternity. So since we're living in Christ, our real life is in Christ, then Paul says, so since we're living this way, then let's change some stuff that other people are doing that's not appropriate for the Christian to do. Let's change some stuff that is going to be a temptation that Satan's going to try to use to destroy you, to pull you down, that we need to not do. And since your real life is in Christ, it will be better. 
It will, be, it will bring you more joy. There won't be the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment. So Colossians 3.5 says, Put to death the sinful, earthly, lurking, the sinful earthly things lurking within you. So last week, I mentioned that you know, Satan and his demons seem to tempt us somehow. And uh, I had read some book there. Somebody theorized that maybe some demon speaks in some uh, hard-to-hear, you know, uh, lower or higher tone, uh, whispers in your ear to try to tempt you to do things. But in the book of James, it says that sometimes the evil desires are inside of us, that, you know, we've got the evil lurking things working within us. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. And in our society now, there is more temptation and more opportunity for people to fall into sexual sin and temptation than ever before. So I, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but for Father's Day, I was looking for illustrations, uh, humorous illustrations, something for Father's Day. And at the bottom of this page that had these Father's Day quotes and inspirational quotes and stuff, it wasn't a Christian site, but it had some Christian stuff on it, was an advertisement for that immoral dating site, the one that got uh, all the people that used it. I'm not going to give it the name. All the people that used it, their names were revealed and it caused all sorts of problems. But basically, it said something like, life is short, Uh, you know, get into a relationship with some a moral woman kind of thing. You know, it didn't exactly say that, but it was an advertisement for that. And it was on the Father's Day site, our Father's Day resource site. And I was like, man, this stuff is just like everywhere. And so I also mentioned, and then I verified it, that if you go to Right Now Media and you search on the word pornography, you end up with 32 different videos that help with that, uh, help you help others with that, and make a difference. But it is a trap. Uh, it is a lie. Matter of fact, Job, first book of the Bible ever written, Job, you, the story of Job, tempted by Satan, didn't give in, uh, went through all these hard things. His wife said, why don't you curse God? And he never did. It's a good book to read. Anyway, Job, he said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. For what is God above chosen for us? What is our inheritance from the Almighty on high? Isn't it calamity for the wicked and misfortune for those who do evil? Doesn't he see everything I do and every step I take? So he's saying, whatever this is that I'm going through, it's not a result of sins that I've been doing. I'm not carrying the guilt of inappropriate stuff because I made a covenant with my eyes and I didn't cross that line. So whatever I'm going through is not God's punishment or discipline for what I did because I didn't do it. Paul tells Timothy, treat older women as you would your mother and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sister. So when you think about that, now this focuses a lot on what men think, but actually women are more and more having the same kind of struggles. But treat older women as you would your mother. Treat younger women with all purity. So when you see this stuff, would you want that to be your sister? Would you want that to be your mom or your daughter? So think about that. Proverbs 6 says, The man who commits adultery is an utter fool, for he destroys himself. And then you can read in Proverbs 5, it talks about, how the immoral, immoral woman, the adulteress, is a trap. And it is a trap. It leads to guilt. It leads to difficulty. It leads to sadness and heartache and difficulties, destroyed relationships. So God warns against it. And he says, Colossians 3, 6, Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. 
So it's an expectation that if you're living in Christ, you're going to stop doing this stuff. If you have an addiction, get help. If you have, um, you know, the more time you spend renewing your mind in God's Word, the more you see the way that you should live, and then you need to try hard not to live that way. Stay away. Live for Christ. Look away from entrapments on earth. So it talked about the sexual stuff, but it also talks about anger. And it talks about the calamity and the difficulty and all these things that don't be greedy when you focus all on money, when it's your, when it's your idol. Sometimes, sometimes the immoral things are an idol. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Verse 8, But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. And don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. So, so it talks about set your, set your thoughts and your sights on heaven, focus on God first, and then don't fall into those sins that can get your heart, those things that can pull you away from God, those things that can trap you. And then now, in an outward standpoint, and this happens in the church sometimes too, we don't want to be gossipers. Anger can destroy your ministry. Anger can destroy your relationship. Anger can destroy your job. I bet you could choose a couple of words, well-chosen words at work, and you could get yourself fired. Matter of fact, if you want to get together, I think together we could, we could play a little game that says, I bet in seven words we could get you fired. So you tell me who your boss is, where you work, and what you do, and we'll come up with seven perfect words to get you fired. So can we do that? You're an attorney. You're a wordsmith. Do you think it could happen? Could you do it in less than seven? Could you do it in three? He can do it in three. All right. Get yourself fired. Well, wait a second. You work for yourself. What are you going to do? Fire yourself? <laughs> you can't fire me. I work for me. So don't lie to each other. You've stripped off your own sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. These are all traps. All of these things that are made in this list all lead to heartbreak, disappointment, distrust, sadness. It doesn't make your life better. It doesn't enhance your real life in Christ. Colossians 3.10, look awesome, knowing and growing in Christ. So you can make yourself look bad. I mean, look towards heaven, see your real life in Christ. That's pretty awesome. You can make yourself look bad by doing some of the things I just mentioned. And if we had more time, I could like list what each of those words mean and in depth, but that's probably better for a small group Bible study. But now we're on point number three, look awesome, knowing and growing in Christ. So Colossians 3.10, so basically take off your old dirty, stinky clothes and put on your new clothes, your new nature, and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So learn to be like Jesus, follow Jesus. As you become more and more like him, your new nature, you will look awesome, you will be awesome, God will use you to do amazing things, and your life will bring satisfaction and joy. It doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect and easy, but it will be of eternal significance, and it will bring joy. Happiness and joy are different sometimes, but look awesome. Verse 11, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. So it doesn't matter your position in life. It doesn't matter your skin color, if you're tall, if you're short, if you're rich or you're poor, if you live on the hill or down by the tracks, it doesn't matter. God can use all of you in all the situations that you're in. And sometimes the situation you're in is the one that's going to bring, bring the most glory to God. So you can look awesome knowing and growing in Christ. So it's time for communion, and I'll ask the guys to come forward. And what we're going to do is talk about communion for a minute, and then I've got two 
short videos to play instead of the music. We're going to have communion. You're welcome to take communion with us if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. People around the world take communion. Some every Sunday, others once a month. So we usually do it the first Sunday of the month, and that's what this is. It's a remembrance of what Christ has done. 1 Corinthians 11.23, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord Himself on the night when He was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And He broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, He took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant between God and His people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. So we're going to pass the, the bread out and uh, the music will play and when it's done, I'll come back up and we'll take it together. One of the most humbling things that uh, I've done as a pastor is when I go and I talk to people like in the hospital or maybe they're at their house and you know that you might be the last person to talk to them before they die. They have a term- terminal illness, you know they're about to die and you talk to them about eternal life and about heaven, it's really humbling to be in that elevator at the hospital knowing that this person is probably going to die shortly or lose consciousness or whatever, and talk to them and have an assurance that I believe what the Bible says is true about eternal life in heaven. And Romans 5.8 says that God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And He was crushed on the cross for us. Isaiah 53.6, He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins, He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, on Jesus, the sins of us all. Jesus, I thank you so much that we can know you and that we could spread your word and your truth and your hope and your eternal life. Lord, that we can invest our lives in heaven, that we can invest our lives knowing that this life isn't all we get and have that assurance and hope and be able to share that with others. So Jesus, we take this and we eat. We thank you in Jesus' name. All right, so we're going to pass over the cup now. And Jesus' blood covers it all, pays it all. God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who are once far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled to you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. So we're going to do the same thing again. We're going to play a little video. It's a great time while it's playing. You don't have to watch it, but you can listen to it or you can watch it. And pray at the same time, but just thank the Lord for what he's been doing in your life and thank him for all of the things that he has yet to do if you'll make yourself available. For a while, we lived in the community with Minnesota's most winningest basketball coach, and his players lived a certain lifestyle. So there were guidelines on how they were supposed to dress and what time they were supposed to go to bed and on weekdays and weekends and all these things. If they wanted to be excellent players on his team, then they needed to follow these guidelines. And he wasn't trying to be mean. He wanted to have the best team, the most winningest team. And If you looked at his big list of all the things that the players had to do, it was pretty overwhelming, but it was also awesome. I mean, you think you had stepped back into 1950 with what some of the things on the list were, but what did it result? Most winningest coach in Minnesota basketball at the time. And in the Christian life, 
Christ paid for you. You were bought with a price, so you can therefore honor him with your body and your life. So if you're falling into all these sins, and people do all the time, it's not natural, it's not normal, and there is a way out. You're not stuck. So pray your way out, get counseling, get help. Everybody falls in and stumbles into sin too. So if somebody stumbles into sin, don't, don't cut them off and push them away, but instead reach out and try to pull them out of the mud, try to help them, help them to live a holy lifestyle. That's what we're talking about next week, but let's pray. Jesus, I thank you again that you gave your blood on the cross for us. That was like 2,000 years ago, but it still applies today. And it applies to the people that are being born, the people that are growing up now, the people that haven't heard about you, the children out in the community that might come to five-day clubs and their parents, the people around us that we work with or that we go to school with or that we're around. Uh, Help us to be your ambassadors and tell other people about Jesus. Lord, help us to live a lifestyle that honors you. And if we fall, help us to get up quickly. And if other people have fallen, help us to help them get right back on track with you and encourage people and build them up and pull them upward and think about heaven. So we thank you. We take this, we drink. And the worship team will come up for one more song. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. We meet 10 a.m. Sundays at Chatfield Elementary School on 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.